Generic podcast intro, spoken in an extremely deep voice. Music in the background, in today's case by John Bon Jovi, to make you think this is the most awesome, amazing podcast you've ever listened to. And now, to speak about myself in the third person, here is your intelligent, handsome host, Josh, the renowned reviewer. Welcome, everyone. This is Josh, the renowned reviewer on the Stand for Something podcast. Hope everyone is doing very well. I'm going to be reading a couple of headlines and giving you my thoughts on them. And then at the end, I'm going to be going over some of my predictions for the future. And this is going to be a podcast here, the name of which may fluctuate or change. So if you see something in your podcasting app change, it's not your eyes. It's not your memory. It's me changing the title to make it more palatable to people. So that being said, there's going to be some different topics on this podcast. I will be talking about politics. In fact, that's probably going to be the primary focus of this podcast. However, I'll also be telling you things about culture. I'll also be reviewing books and movies and comic books, things of that nature as well, because I'm a nerd. I'm a big nerd. And of course, this nerd is going to be putting nerdy topics onto his podcast. And I hope that you enjoy it. Please do whatever you can to support me. Follow me here on Spotify or Stitcher or whatever podcasting app you are using, as well as you can go on Facebook and find my page, Renowned Reviewer, with a picture of a Lego minifigure Lobo from DC Comics, and send me a message if you want to give monetarily. But we'll go ahead and hop right into this. This is from the DailyMail.uk, this article written by Mary Kakatos. Sorry if I'm reading that incorrectly. FDA will decide on whether to fully approve Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine by January 2022. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, goal date to decide on full approval of Pfizer-BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine for ages 16 and older is January 2022. Full approval requires at least six months of follow-up data rather than the two months required for emergency use authorization. If approved, Pfizer-BioNTech's shot will be the first fully approved coronavirus vaccine in America. Health experts hope full approval will boost COVID-19 vaccine uptake with daily shots falling below 1 million per day. So I'm not going to say a whole lot about the vaccine, although I will talk quickly, because it's your choice. You can do what you want to do in terms of the vaccine. If you want to go get it, go ahead and go get it. You are an individual, you should do so. However, if you choose not to, that is also your choice. Or if you want your kids to get it, you can talk to your kids and take them to go get it. But if you don't want them to, you should have the freedom to say, we'll pass. So that being said, on this article specifically, doesn't it feel like we've skipped some steps? Why is it that... Usually, the FDA approves a vaccine, and then people go take it. Whereas in this case, people are taking it, 
And then they're going to see, this is what it says, FDA will decide on whether to. It's not even the FDA is saying, oh, we'll have it approved by January. They're going to make a decision, well, should we approve it or not? So what happens if they don't approve it? Most likely, if that happens, the the Pfizer and BioNTech will go back Talk to their scientists. Talk to what they're do- talk about what they're doing. Talk about what they're doing, and fix that. Essentially, they will make it so that the FDA can pass it. But we've skipped some steps. Why is this out of order? I'm not a huge fan or supporter of the FDA. Read Joel Salatin's "Everything I Want to Do Is Illegal," and you'll find out that the USDA, the FDA, and DHEC are really in a lot of ways colluding to keep the little man down, namely the farmer. So I'm not a huge fan. However, if this is standard procedure, why is it that we're taking the vaccine first and then the FDA then deciding on whether to put it out with the sticker saying FDA approved? And if you're on the left, if you lean left, ask yourself, why do you want to take a vaccine that happened during a Trump administration? And if you're on the right, do you really trust Dr. Fauci, who recommends that you get this jab? Just food for thought. Think about it before you make any decision. Consult medical professionals and please, please pray. Pray to your father in heaven who loves you. Three fugitive Texas Democrats test positive for COVID after packing onto $100,000 private jet wearing no masks to flee to D.C. and meet with Kamala Harris, having sabotaged state's voting reform. 60 Democratic lawmakers from Texas fled the state on Monday to block the passing of an election integrity bill proposed by Republicans. The Democrats packed into a private plane bound for D.C. not wearing masks. In the intervening days, the group has met with many high-powered, many high-profiled, high-powered politicians in the nation's capital, including Kamala Harris. However, three of the Texas Democrats have now tested positive to COVID-19. I think they mean for COVID-19. Apparently, I'm misspelling by the DailyMail.uk, unless it's a British thing I just don't understand, which it could be. I am from the backwoods of South Carolina. All three have been fully vaccinated, but one is experiencing symptoms. One Republican Texas lawmaker claims they're lying to avoid the vote in Texas. So the situation here, my understanding, is that there's been a bit of a standoff in Texas involving an election reform bill, and a bunch of Texas representatives just left. They went in order to block a restrictive voting reform bill, which is what they're calling it, restrictive, being proposed by Republicans and conservatives. So they go to up to Washington, D.C., and apparently the $100,000 bill, I, I thought for a second, I was like, there's no way a private jet would be that cheap. But no, that's what it cost to go on this trip. So they go up there. And here's the thing. This goes back to the jab, the the vaccine. If they've all been vaccinated, but three of them have now tested positive and one is actually having symptoms of COVID, what's the point of any of it? Do, do these companies that are creating the vaccines, they know what they're doing? I'm just asking questions. And you let me know. You can comment on my posts on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I'm not hard to find. Josh Lobo, renowned reviewer. You can find me. Let me know what you think. Uh, My DMs are open on Twitter. My DMs are open on Instagram, obviously. And you can message me on Facebook. I have a button there, too. 
and comment. Please do. You can't comment on Spotify and all these podcasting apps, but there are ways you can comment. This will also be going up to YouTube as well. So that involved me looking at two headlines and talking about some recent news. I'm going to go into a bit of the future. and This is something I want to put on YouTube as well. So hello to all my YouTube people. When it comes to the future, I remember sitting in church on July 4th, and I, I love my pastor, and he's always asking thought-provoking questions and trying to get at them in a biblical and facts-based way, while also taking into account love and peace. So he asked this question. This was when he was preaching, actually it was on Romans 13 on July 4th. And he said, what's the future going to hold? We don't know. Well, I'll take some very slight disagreement with that, and this is kind of a joke, and that we actually do know some things are going to get better, some things are going to get worse. Now, that's extremely broad, and you may think it's ridiculous to say that, but it's true. And here's the thing. If things get better politically, if government is rolled back, if there's more freedom in America, unfortunately, and this is not a guarantee, but this is what I think will happen, a lot of people in the church, a lot of Christians, are going to get complacent, are going to fold their hands and say, oh, well, we're good. There's not a huge pending threat. We'll be okay. So there will be good, namely more freedom, but bad spiritual indifference, apathy, and complacency. However, if things get worse, which look like it could happen, if politically things get worse, more divided and or government starts cracking down, telling churches and telling Christians what they can and cannot do, and soft at first, but then harder persecution begins of Christ's church. It'll hurt for a time, but long term, that's a good thing. The church will grow. And like Valley Forge and George Washington's army, the core that remains will be strong. They will be the ones that will go out and do what Christ has commanded. That's what he said. You are my friends if you do as I commanded you, as Jesus said. So things will get better and things will get worse. That is one prediction. Now, that being said, practically speaking politically, what do I see? I will say, no matter what happens, at least if things are rolling forward the way they're looking like they're going to roll forward, in 2024, it's going to be very interesting. Now, I will quickly say a little bit about the future before I get to the national elections. I don't know how far things are going to be pushed in terms of the bug, the virus. It depends. It really does. Will state governments lock down cities again and lock down whole states and counties? Or will they allow that to happen at the county level and the city level? Or will govern governors be able to say, you know what, we're not doing any of that. That's what DeSantis is trying to do. And to an extent, what Mr. McMaster, Governor McMaster in South Carolina has been trying to do. With varying levels of success, he's not very popular among the diehard real conservatives, those who really want small government. A lot of what he's done has been in response to other stuff happening. He's not been very proactive, rather reactive. But he has taken some good stances, which is good. He's pro-life. Good thing. Well, that being said, 2022, this is my prediction, 
is going to be very important because there are people in this country who don't think that what happened in the last election in 2020 was legitimate. It's funny. We're only seven months into 2021, but people are still talking about the election in 2020 as they should this, if they feel that their vote, that the integrity of the election is under attack, they can't let it slip by. And I will say it is, it is something to see. It is a shame that the Republicans are not more fully backing the audits and the voter ID laws. Voter ID laws should be a non a no-brainer. To me, if you can afford to drive over and vote, you can afford in time and money an ID basically verifying, yes, you are who you say you are. If by some stretch, if theoretically we're going to have a democratic process here, there needs to be a verification process. And I've seen footage of people walk over to addresses of people that voted, and it's things like intersections and, and it's the middle of roads, p- fake addresses, and then calling in to voting ID or, in other words, voter, voting integrity professionals and saying, hey, this is a f- fake address. I went and verified it myself, and it's not real. The people on the other end of the phone don't care and they don't know what to do. They just kind of say, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to do. Well, can I speak to your manager? Manager doesn't either, either doesn't answer or doesn't do anything. That has got to change for there to be fair elections. And I don't care. This really, in a lot of ways, is a bipartisan issue considering the Democrat Party, not everyone in the Democrat Party, but most liberals and leftists in the 2016 election accused Trump of hacking the election with Russia. So they would want, they should want election integrity. Why then are so many of them, so many of them, talking about voter suppression and how Republicans are racist for trying to pass voter ID laws? It's pretty backwards to say that it's racist to require people, people in general, not just minorities, to have an ID to vote. Is it because, let me ask you leftists listening, how is it racist? Is it, is it because minorities are poor? Because if you think that's what's going on, that's pretty racist in itself. Who's the real racist? Wanting people to be individuals and vote and requiring everyone to have a voter ID. Or you saying, no, you can't require that. That's racist because minorities are poor. That's pretty ridiculous. But 2022, if it goes about like 2020, that's not going to sit well with half the country, whoever votes on the Republican side. If it's, hey, we're all voting, okay, stop the count at 3 in the morning or 2 in the morning or 4 in the morning, depending on where in the country you are, that's not going to sit well with people. People are going to get very angry in 2022. Now, however, some people, I, this is this is incorrect, have this idea in their minds that 2024, namely the presidential election, is going to be more important than 2022. No, they're all important. These are all bureaucrats and officials that have power over your life. So we should be equal, we should care an equal amount about this. But anyway, practically speaking, there are people who think it's more important in the presidential election. And same thing, if it goes like 2020 and once again the Democrat wins, people are going to be really mad. Now, what's going to happen? I'm not going to start anything, nothing violent, maybe some kind of a peaceful political coalition building. But I just hope nothing violent happens and and I hope there is peace and there is Peace meaning the rules are followed, that there is fairness. And who knows what happens? Only God knows. Only God knows. But those are my predictions. 
And regardless of what exactly happens during that time, 2024 and 2022 will be interesting because in 2024, left or right, there's going to be interesting walks. You message me, you comment. Do you think you as a person, some of you have me on my personal page on Facebook too. Do you think Donald Trump is going to run again? I talked to a friend recently about this, my friend Jeff. I may bring him on at some point. He really thinks he's going to come down to Trump's health. If he has a heart attack or a stroke around that time, probably not around the time of 2023, let's say, or 2024. But if he still looks like he's in good health, he probably will. And I will say he is posturing like he's going to. I don't know how many of you have heard, but he did go on Hannity's show and say he's made up his mind. He just didn't say what he's going to do. But someone will run. And, and let's see. I mean, if Trump runs against a few other people, if Trump runs against Pence, that will be very interesting. That's going to be an absolute mudslog because Trump does not like Pence. And by the end of it, Pence probably won't like Trump either. Pence, I think, is already mad at Trump. But I think he'd get angrier if they actually attacked each other. But that said, I don't think Pence will. If you're a Republican planning on running for 2024, the second that Trump announces he's going to run, you may as well drop out because Trump is running the party right now. But on the other side, what is the left going to do? Is Biden going to try to run for re-election? Because I don't see it. Maybe you're. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will run for re-election. But if he can't complete his first term or if he completes his first term, I think that Kamala Harris is going to run. And the left is going to have a very interesting decision. Do they all back her and help her to run essentially unopposed? Or will they sit and say, you know what? We don't really like her. Please, someone, anyone, challenge her. All right. And if you hear some clicking, clacking in the background, I'm actually going to Google something right here. How old is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Because I'm genuinely curious if she'll be able to run in 2024. Okay, today is July 23rd, 2021. She is 31. So in really, will she be old enough? She was born on October 13th of 1989. So unless my math is off, I don't think she'll be 35. No, she won't be 35 by the time she would need to swear in. I don't think so. I think she would turn 35 during that year. It'd be... October 2025, right? Yeah. And so, unless my math is off, which I don't think it is, I don't want to do math incorrectly. Please let me know if so. But yeah, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, born October 13, 1989. She's 31 years old right now. She'll turn 32 this October. But she would need to be 35 years old when she swears in. And I don't think she will be. So she, at least if my math is correct cannot run and challenge Kamala Harris in 2024, but will someone else? And I think a lot of that is going to depend on what gets done between now and then. Will Kamala Harris and will the Biden administration give the left what they want? Will they be popular with the left by the time they leave? And I noticed this as I was watching the debates. This was back towards probably... Actually, it was more like June, June, and July. I was going to say fall, but no, the primary started around the time of the summer of 2019. And watching the debates, you know, you'd have Bernie Sanders. Well, they actually split the debates. You know, they had Warren and they had, uh, I think Buttigieg was in this one. 
and, and they did about half the Democrats in one. There were so many people that ran. It was like eight in one and nine in the other debate. So, something just wild. And then in the other debate would be Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris. And I remember watching the debates and saying to myself, it is so hard, especially as the debates went on. This is probably more like debate four or five. You know, Warren would say something and Bernie Sanders would say something and then Biden would say something and so would Kamala Harris. And then so would Pete Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar. And I remember just kind of scratching my head. And then you had um, Beto O'Rourke. Oh, my goodness. The memes about that were just so good. And Cory Booker. And I remember saying to my parents and to other people in my life at the time, it is so hard to tell what's what's happening here. What wing of the party is going to take control of the Democrat Party? Are they going to go down the route of Pete Buttigieg or even like an Andrew Yang or a Tulsi Gabbard? Uh, which Tulsi Gabbard is horrible on most of the issues, but she's pretty great on war. But Andrew Yang was not a, a man the barricade socialist. He wanted to raise taxes, of course, because he was going to do universal basic income. But look him up. I remember, I, I actually will say, I'm another thing I'll predict, I do think Andrew Yang is going to be president at some point. And I say that with sadness in a lot of ways. If he was, if I could get him to move economically, I would probably vote for him. But he's very much a big government guy. And that's unfortunate. However, I do think his message in the end is going to start resonating with enough Democrats to get him elected to be president. He's at least going to be the nominee, but I do predict Andrew Yang will be president one day. And I do that because I was actually on Facebook. I forget if it was now this or what political source this was. I had a video of Andrew Yang talking and I just thought he's a facts-based math guy. He's intelligent. He's a businessman. I could see him doing well politically. Now, he didn't do well in 2020. That just wasn't his year. And unfortunately, there were times he bought into the, oh, we need drug gun control thing. But most of the time, he was very much about economics, which is a good thing. You even saw it a little bit on the debate stage. Someone would ask him a question about race, and a lot of times he'd say he'd give a class-based answer, meaning not class like, oh, I'm classy. No, class as in your economic class. That's what I'm referring to. So I do think he'll run at some point. I don't know how soon that'll be. It may not be 2024. It may not be 2028. That's actually a really good thing to look up right now. And I don't mind doing this while I'm recording. Andrew Yang age. Ah, Cuomo pops up. That's funny. Let me see. He is, according to this, he was born in 1975. So he is 46 years old. Oh, he's a January birthday like I do. How about that? Yep. Okay. Very cool. Only one wife his entire life. They were married in 2011. He has two children. He is someone that I see potential in. I remember one time during a Democrat debate, he turned to the he turned and saw he was on camera, smiled and kissed and, and like blew a kiss into the camera and said, "Hello, America." He's got some charisma. He's not the most charismatic because he's very, very much a math guy that's facts based. But please, if you don't do anything else. Watch his episode on Joe Rogan and watch his episode on Ben Shapiro's show. Ben Shapiro and him did a, a Sunday special that was just very civil and very facts-based. And yeah, I don't agree with Andrew Yang on much, but I love the fact that he doesn't really go down the route of identity politics or will I feel this way. He's very much about trying to say, well, here's what the math is saying. Now, I disagree. I'm of the Austrian school of economics. I believe in laissez-faire, non-regulated capitalism. And he does not. He's very Keynesian, Keynesian from what I can tell. He believes in Keynesianism. But I do think that he will do well politically.
So that out of the way, that said, will the Democrat Party, this is what I'm getting to, go down the more moderate route of Pete Buttigieg, of Andrew Yang, of even Amy Klobuchar, who I think is also a nice person. I think Buttigieg probably is too. Or will they decide, you know what, Warren and Bernie Sanders, we should go down that path. We should appeal to those people. The Richard D. Wolfs of the world. The people that want full-blown socialism. Uh, I'll take the YouTuber Vosh. Why not? Any of these people. We want to appeal to them more than to other people. And I mean, every political party has to make that decision. Who do we appeal to? And frankly, um, a lot of people, for instance, people that are more moderate, but still very liberal, like Kyle Kalinske, although he calls himself populist left or a social democrat, will be happy if people like Bernie Sanders run. Will Hassan Piker run? People like that. Or will they try and go the more moderate route? And it's hard because at the same time, there's mixtures. Like, for instance, people thought that Biden was going to be a moderate and we're not necessarily seeing a, a ton of just authoritarian stuff crammed down our throats. However, there is talk of that happening. And will it be talk or will it be action? We are not quite sure yet. However, Kamala Harris had just as bad of a record in the Senate as Bernie Sanders. Bad from a pro-freedom standpoint. So what's going to happen? Which path will the Democrat Party take? Honestly, I think a lot of it is going to be, do they want to stand for their principles or do they want to get elected? But if they can get elected no matter what, if they've got a way of doing this, we'll just put it that way, who knows what's going to happen? And here's the thing. Someone like Biden, someone like Kamala Harris, they're not moderates. They're not. Oh, Barack Obama was not a moderate. Now, from some people's standpoints today, he was. But to me, he wasn't. Like People want to say, well, you know, he was good on military or something like that. No, he wasn't. Think back. If you're a neocon, think back about how weak Obama was militarily. And me as a non-interventionist, he was terrible in the military. He was very much about bombing. He was very much about using drone strikes and, and just using troops. He was aggressive. He needed to get us out of there. Now, did we almost completely pull out of Iraq? Yes, but that's not enough. And I wouldn't vote for that just to get, because then we have Obamacare come through. I wouldn't vote for him. I'm not a single issue voter. It's all important. To me, I like what I heard someone say recently. We need to be anti-war and anti-Fed as libertarians. But I wouldn't just say that. Uh, rather than an anti-perspective, pro-peace and pro-free market. Because if you're pro-peace and you're pro-free market, you are by definition anti-war and anti-Fed. That's what I stand for. So with all this out of the way about what the future holds, where do libertarians go? Well, it really depends on what the Republican Party does. I cannot condone or say that I will vote for Donald Trump. I did not in 2020. I can go into that. Actually, you can find that on my YouTube channel. I have a, a video on my YouTube channel called Who I Voted For. But I did vote for him in 2016 when I was a conservative. But what do you think is going to happen in the future? I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know. Comment on this if it's on YouTube. Send me messages. Comment on my posts. Tweet at me. You can find me on Twitter as well under Josh Lobo, renowned reviewer. Thank you so much for listening today, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Please follow me on the podcast app that you're using.